Hello, and welcome to The Foundation, a Parks People podcast, presented by the National Association of Park Foundations. And now, your host and executive director of the National Association of Park Foundations, Kevin Korenthal. Welcome back to the podcast, The Parks People podcast. I'm your host and executive director of the National Association of Park Foundations, Kevin Korenthal, and it's my pleasure to be with you here today. As you know, the NAPF is your first stop uh, to start or uh, increase the capacity of your park foundation. We have the professionals, the services, the products, everything that you need to make sure that your park foundation is firing on all cylinders. Happy to have our, our guest today. His name is Anthony Iraqi. He's the director of education and training for M Parks. That's Michigan, for those of you not in the know. And he's also on uh, one of the NAPF committees, the Young Professionals Committee, and uh, we're looking forward to working with him in that and other capacities in the future. So, Anthony, I always like to begin at the beginning, and the beginning was when you made the decision to get into Parks and Recreation. Yeah, well, thank you. I am very excited to be here with you today and talk about all this. So, my beginning, I was a park and rec kid. Honestly, I started coming through with summer camps, swim lessons. Eventually, I worked my way to being a lifeguard. And then from there, I transitioned after college. Which I actually went to school to be a teacher, funny enough. And I went to Ferris State University, and they had a rec management program. But at the time, my mother had worked in the school district, and she saw my knack for relating with people and kind of coaching and leading people along. And so we thought maybe that'd be the right path, but ultimately I was drawn back to parks. So after college, I was a little, little lost. I found a career with the YMCA, which I didn't quite know you could have a full-time career. I thought it was just mostly part-time. From there, I jumped in. I was full-time as an aquatic instructor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Had a lot of fun. Then I moved up to Milwaukee, where I was there for about 11 years. And while I was in Milwaukee, I transitioned from the Y into parks and recreation. And so Anybody that's listening, um, you might feel a bit of relation to that story. It's something that happens quite a bit. A lot of people get their career start at the Y and then jump over to municipal rec or any other part of our industry. And through that time, I loved volunteering with state associations, national associations. I love speaking, presenting, engaging, podcasting myself. And ultimately, this position opened up with Michigan. And I was able to make the transition to the association side of things, doing education and training. So all of that education as a teacher has really paid off, actually. So a combination of teaching current professionals while also engaging in the space as a programmer myself for some time. And that is my very long story shortened up for you today. So, well, it's under two minutes. So I think, I mean, it's perfectly acceptable. So, <laughs> yeah. I, so I'm the exact opposite. I didn't get into parks and recreation until much later in life, in my early 40s. Um, I began to see a need uh, as an amputee myself okay. for more access, not necessarily for myself, because although I'm differently abled, I'm very active, but mm -hmm. others, folks in wheelchairs who need uh, leg assistance, like crutches and so forth. And that's really what inspired me getting on board. But I, I love to hear this idea that, um, and I've heard this story before where people kind of grew up in the park and rec culture and it really, really were never able to get away from it. And it became a mm -hmm. career for them. I love that. That's a great story. So that kind of brings me to my next question, and that is, what is the element that you see, uh, you know, relevant to NAPF's mi mission with regard to how a park uh, and recreation foundation can be active and involved in that creation of that culture that we're talking about with regard to everything surrounding parks and recreation? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, honestly, the great thing about a foundation being active and involved is you have the opportunity to use it as a community outreach and engagement piece as part of your department. And so the truth is that working in municipal government, we have very fun jobs, but we still work in government. We can get kind of caught up in bureaucracy. There can be red tape. There can be a lot of challenges. And so when you develop a foundation, have a foundation, engage with the foundation, you have a little bit more opportunity to be a bit more fluid in the way you operate in that space. And so, you know, prime example is the Friends of Grand Rapids Parks here in West Michigan. You know, they do a lot of community outreach, a lot of volunteerism, um, different groups coming in that work in the arts and, and other spaces like that. They talk about tree canopy. They talk about park cleanups. They talk about accessibility, access, equity. And so you have developed this very kind of public relations arm as a way to get more volunteers involved, do some fundraising, raise some money that is designated to go directly towards the park and go directly towards these projects. And so I think that, you know, by having a foundation involved in your community, it's a great way to supplement all the work that you're doing, bring people into the mix and also have some additional financial avenues to get to your goals, which sometimes working in municipal government, budgets can be fickle, budgets can be cut, things can go up and down, but it's a way to raise money directly for your mission. And so it gives you that added benefit if it exists solely for that in that space. I've always loved the concept of how a park foundation brings so many other people to the table that otherwise would not have a role in helping shape. So the, the mm -hmm. diversity angle has always fascinated me. What do you think uh, high functioning park foundations are doing on that diversity angle? Where, how are they getting the folks that are, you know, that are hidden in the shadows out of those shadows and becoming part of their park infrastructure? Well, it really goes back to the message that you share about parks are for all, you know, this exists for everybody. And it's an opportunity to look, do you have a five minute walk? Do you have a 10 minute walk? Is your park well kept? Has it been neglected? Are there challenges occurring on that park? Is it is it safe? Is it accessible? All these different things. And so it's a way to bring the community into the mix to have a voice and feel heard. And to say that, hey, this is a common space. This is some place that we all enjoy. We all benefit mentally from socially from emotionally from you know, and parks are also economic drivers as well, too. If you have a, a park that is, you know, reconditioned and brought up and brings people back as a gathering space, maybe in a community that has seen some challenges, you might start to see some businesses spring up around it because more people are spending time there. And so I think that at the end of the day, it's a way to have the conversation with everybody in that space about their quality of life and show that you care and how you can bring them into the mix and give them a way and avenue to directly impact it and also give back because we have a lot of parks in this country, right? I mean, you look at city centers and they started and they, they've sprawled out to the suburbs, but along the way, as every neighborhood popped up, parks were built as part of that through the mid-century, through the original urban development within this country. And so you can go to that green space, you can talk about who's there, how they're accessing it, and all this. I'm not going to rehash everything I just touched base on, but it's a perfect starting point for the conversation around DEI in a community. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, 
like you kind of mentioned, government is capable of quite a bit, but it's very easy to become ensconced in just within your your staff and those folks. And if you really want to draw out the community and have folks of you know different uh, social economic backgrounds, I think the Park Foundation is kind of a really great way to kind of get that kind of kicked off. If you're looking at uh, Park Foundations from a from a perspective of my or my park agency has not gotten involved yet in park foundations. It's been brought up by some staff in the past. We've even talked to some people maybe at an NRPA conference. But what do you think uh, for, in your mind uh, would be some triggers for your agency to start considering getting involved with a park foundation, starting a park foundation in their community? I mean, you know, it's it's so interestingly enough, I'll tell a personal story and, and I'm sure some of my friends from Milwaukee will be listening to this podcast, but I um, I'm actually a founding member of the Milwaukee County Parks Foundation and that foundation stemmed from the challenge that we had a lot of deferred maintenance. Right. I think at the time and somebody will probably correct me, but it was close to 500 million. And I remember when I was in living in Milwaukee, you know, there were conversations around, are we putting parking meters at parks, which is a huge, you know, equity and access challenge right there. Not everybody can afford a parking meter, let alone a ticket for some of the most popular spaces. Now you're, you're pushing people out. So ultimately, they decided against that. And there were a number of other conversations they were having, but ultimately it came down to, for all the reasons that, you know, we have this half a billion dollars in maintenance that needs to happen. And right now we can't, because of you know political reasons or things with the legislature, we can't levy new taxes or raise this or do different things that some cities might be able to do. It's just different in Wisconsin in that space. Mm-hmm. And so I remember then the idea was that we'll, you know, we'll start, we'll start a foundation and it's an opportunity to, again, raise money, work with vendors, work with donors, work with the community to tell stories and bring people in and really build the sense of caring and community around it and then raise the funds to assist with with the maintenance that goes into it and and so i would say you know if you're if you are somebody who maybe at the time has found yourself struggling with maintenance costs if you are somebody who is struggling with community engagement people feeling bought in if you're struggling with you know, equity and access around these green spaces in your community, it's definitely time to have a conversation because again, financially, it makes sense. Volunteer base, DEI, it makes sense. It's just any number of these challenges can really be solved by bringing the community in and establishing this to move forward. And I, I, I moved away from Milwaukee, um, but I still keep track with what they're doing and they're doing fantastic work. You know, initially they started, I think they had some volunteers and single exec and they've got a full staff team now as well too so it's really great what they've done and i would say look to friends of grand rapids parks or look to milwaukee county parks foundation as an example in this space of a direction to go from my personal experience you know i I too moved away from where i originally came from where i originally got my education in parks and recreation and uh it was the the opposite kind of uh argument there because i went back and visited the park and rec department from that community, which I won't call out here um, mm-hmm. and asked uh, the current director at the time, not the director I served under as a commissioner, but uh, a, a, the director that followed. So why is it that this city doesn't have a park foundation? And she told me quite bluntly that she felt that 
a park foundation would actually compete for resources uh, with the park agency. And I just, at the time, I hadn't been doing this role long enough to come up with a really great argument, but I'm trying to form one. Help me form an argument against that argument. Um, I mean, I, I'll be, I'll be candid with you. And it's not any group that I mentioned before, but I've seen this happened in the past. Sometimes you know, you're working in a political space and sometimes you can get involved with maybe different potential egos or a finite amount of resources or can get a bit political that way. But that's not, that's not necessarily a reason you know, there's a million reasons not to do something. And so I would say that the point I'm trying to make with that is it really comes down to the relationship you have with that foundation. So, you know, you're the parks department, you have a foundation that exists separately, but they they support you, right? They're their own 501c3 or whatever type organization they are. We have this kind of this agreement that you're going to work together. I think that you know, it's there are there are so many resources, there's so much funding out there. But if you effectively use that relationship and effectively use that foundation as an avenue to go after the resources that maybe you can't necessarily go after internally, or with the understanding and agreement that yes, this foundation exists, but we're not in competition with each other. We're here to work collectively hand in hand. I would say that that the biggest challenge with that is that's not necessarily uh, they're going to go after, we're going to go after, they're going to get stuff we're not getting because everything they go after, they should be sharing with you. So it's how are you managing that relationship? That sounds like an interpersonal challenge and less of a reason, you know, the foundation's not the challenge. It's the people at the top, their ability to work together. It sounds like that's the found the challenge. There's some conflict there. I, I love that. I love that. You know, and it, it and it brings up, you know, the idea that uh good relationships have good boundaries, like you know, great neighbor, you know, great uh fences make great neighbors. And so we look at that from the perspective of so what how can we create that relationship and document that relationship? And that's the MOU, right? That's the right. Memo of understanding between the agency and the foundation that sets those guideposts, limitations, and uh, expectations uh, for how each of the parties will perform. Um, and I think that's beautiful. So when you're looking at uh, park foundations, and if you were, if your job was to go out there and assess park foundations uh, for a living, what would you find is maybe some uh, examples of activities or performance uh, that are key indicators of a high-functioning park foundation? You know, I think that the 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 presence, the communication, the branding, the information that's put out, and the relationship that the foundation has with the agency that it supports. And so I think that a key indicator of a high performing foundation would definitely be if you can track their social media, track their newsletter, track their information, and see that, you know, there's co-branding, there's support back and forth. You can tell by their board what members are on it. Um, if there's members of the agency and what other key community players are part of their board as well. But I think a lot of it is just there, there's continuing work. And so you have the opportunity to, they can point to specific things and say, you know, we planted X amount of trees or we supported this project, or here's our annual report that shows money in, money out, the work that we're doing, the way that we've supported the agency in that space. And then it's really just a sense of, a really a sense of 
community and engagement and people feel brought in and people speak highly of that foundation. So examples, again, Grand Rapids, Friends of Grand Rapids Parks, people speak very highly of them. You talk about Milwaukee County Parks Foundation, people speak very highly as well. They're engaged, they're visible in the community. Now, um, you know, it's, it's, I think that there's, if, if also, if there's an opportunity to talk with the members who maybe not so much the foundation members, but the people that volunteer and the people that engage, if they also have a sense of they're there not in conflict with the agency, but they're there because they feel a sense of ownership and they agree with what's happening. So anybody, you know, a lot of people listening who work with different friends groups and different things, it, it can be a challenge sometimes um, working with different groups and where they might feel a very strong sense of ownership over a space, almost to the point that they feel separate and at times can find themselves in conflict with the agency. And so, you know, things can get gridlocked. Things can be a bit challenging. Conversations can be tense. Unfortunately, I've seen that in my career as well, too. And so I think that if you're going to give a good example of what a working foundation looks like, you also need to see what a challenged group could also be as well. And so I think look for those positive vibes. And I know it's hard to quantify a positive vibe, but you'll, again, it'll be, you know, what when you, you know, what, when yeah, you see it, yeah. it's one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your, your in, entire career is focused on training and education, which is, I think, great uh, for the purposes of bringing you alongside NAPF's mission as well, because that's really we're struggling to figure out, you know, what do our volunteers not know? And, you know, and how much of that they that they don't know, do they need to know? I think there's always been a strong uh, educational component to serving in parks and recreation from the government side, you know, NRPA just knocks it out of the park mm -hmm. with their certification, there's lots of support. in on that side, where NAPF is coming along is on the volunteer side. So from your perspective, what do you think it is that are uh, maybe some examples of uh, some areas that we could work with our volunteers to better educate them about what it is that they're doing? Yeah, I think that that's a great question. I think that, you know, we have so many avenues these days in the virtual post COVID world through something like podcasts right now. This is amazing. I, I, I think podcasts are so great because people listen, they can engage with it in a number of different ways. You don't have to sit still it can be something that travels around with you and you can feel that sense of connection, feel like you're part of this conversation. I think that with the state associations, having an opportunity to put in a presentation, say at M parks about what this could look like and encourage maybe. So we're in Kalamazoo next year, encourage some of the agencies around Kalamazoo to bring their foundation and their friends groups, somebody from those places to that conference. I think a similar thing could be done at the national level with NRPA as well, too. Um, I think that webinars are a great resource. And then also, I mean, I don't know where we're at currently thinking long term with the avenues we want to go down. But if we were to put together some kind of regional conference again, and the whole goal is come with your volunteer, that's fantastic. Because now you have an opportunity in person. You have an opportunity for somebody who enjoys webinars, you have somebody for an opportunity that enjoys podcasts as well. And I think that approach to it would be a great way to educate our volunteers and get that message out and effective social media utilization as well.
Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think a reimagining of the educational opportunities that are available to volunteers. I mean, I know that I, I had the opportunity of coming up in uh, in the 501c3 organizations very early on, I'm involved in small opportunities to serve, uh, redevelopment, uh, mm -hmm. friends of the library, stuff like that. I do know others who have been plunged right into the deep end of it. And I think that uh, there's an incredible opportunity uh, to utilize this voice we have at NAPF to perhaps offer better education. What do you think, other than podcasts and webinars, what are some other potential vehicles uh, that might be utilized uh, to the purpose of you know further educating the volunteers? I really think it's a, it's that in-person opportunity that exists out there. I think it's 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 hosting something locally for individuals to come to, and again, effectively utilizing the state associations because they're going to be your biggest avenue. Because the truth is that so an example in Michigan, um, your former the person that prede your predecessor came to Lansing, Michigan, to meet with them when I first came on to the NAPF to talk about a foundation that they were starting there, and he assisted and got it up and running. I mentioned that because it shows that there's communities that already exist out there that are part of state associations that can then be effectively with the state associations host different things. I think that if it's a joint webinar, if it's a joint conference session, we run regional trainings all the time. Um, you know, those, those are ways to get involved and say, hey, let's have this conversation. And I think that there would be a response to it that people would would want that. I think that professionals in our industry, if we had the opportunity to engage one-on-one -on -one in that space, I think that people would be receptive to it. I can tell you that as MPARC's Director of Training and Education, we can try that here. <laughs> um, I'm more than welcome to bring it in. But yeah, I think that it's just really getting out there and hosting in-person opportunities alongside all the virtual that exists as well too. Yeah, I love I love the idea. And, you know, I come from the background of I want to be where the members are. Mm -hmm. um, and COVID really spoiled that to a certain mm -hmm. degree, at least for some period of time. And I'm, you know, I'm hoping that we'll be able to, from NAPF's perspective, be able to soon, you know, return to in-person programming. So kind of get us to the wrap up, uh, Anthony. What's something that you guys are doing at M Parks? Um, that you think is, I mean, maybe you have a couple of things, but what's something that you folks are doing at M Parks that you think the listeners out there that are, have a park foundation or are thinking starting a park foundation might want to emulate? You know, so we have, we have a foundation for M Parks as well, too. And so our foundation supports supports our members in a number of different ways. So the opportunity, I mean, they they give money for development of inclusive playground equipment. We've had conversations with them about supporting professional development. Um, you know, it's it's really, I think that something that is reflective of it is having the right people on the foundation that see the value, that are stakeholders, and that are open to conversations that might be outside the box. And so, you know, I think that what I really enjoy about our foundation is that I can go to them with an idea. And whatever the outcome of that conversation is, I know the door is open, right? And I know that they are progressive thinkers. I know they have inclusive thought. I know that they are receptive to different ideas and challenging the status quo. 
And I think that just that relationship means the world. And so I think, you know, you have people in your community that you can move into these foundation spaces because a lot of the people on our foundation were volunteers for the association in other ways before. And so say you are a part, you have a park board. Most places do. You have a park board, volunteers that assist and help out. You have some people that are very active and involved, very well connected, that really want to take that next step. But you also want to use it as an opportunity to open up spaces on your park board and then move people onto the foundation. And so I think that's something we do really well at M Parks is if you are a past president or you're a board member or you're somebody that has volunteered in some capacity, we say, okay, your term's up, but here's this other opportunity to give back at a bigger level. Right. Preventing the loss of all of that uh, education that was that was made over that period that they were serving on the commission. Right. Yeah, definitely. So I think that, yeah, having a pipeline to the foundation of passionate professionals and volunteers will really set you up for success. And that's something I'm very proud of in our state. I love that. And that's a perfect way to wrap up our conversation. These 25 minute conversations go by so quickly. Uh, My guest today has been Anthony Iraqi of M Parks, just a, a, a really dynamic leader in the park. Follow him. Look look him up on uh, LinkedIn. He's always putting great, inspiring uh, information up there. And just to remind you folks, uh, NAPF is standing by. Uh, we do have the people and the support. And, you know, Anthony's a good example of that, of folks that can come alongside your park foundation, help you get it started, help you take a dormant uh, foundation to active, or maybe just increase the bandwidth of your high-functioning park foundation. We always love to hear your stories. And if you're interested... And coming on the podcast, if you think you have a story to tell, why don't you reach out to me? Uh, you can find me on the, my, my information is all over the, the website, the-napf.org. And I want to thank Anthony for joining me today. And I want to wish you all a, a great rest of your day and uh, keep parking on. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into The Foundation, a Parks People podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash at the NAPF to not miss an episode. To help this podcast grow, please like, comment, and share with your friends. Have a great day.